What is going on, guys? It's Monday. It's Monday. It's Monday. This is not the trading desk. This is not the trading desk. Special episode of the trading desk. Surprise. It is Monday. Uh, we're here. We're, we're filling in for Tim. Tim had something that he had to do. So we're throwing together a quick show for you guys. I hope you like it. We uh, broke out some of the good stuff. Armin and I are hanging out. We're going to watch Nerd a little bit. Brought some cool watches. Uh, we're going to talk about some some underdogs. Yeah. I love, uh, uh, we love underdogs here in Philly. Traditional fashion. Let's roll into some wrist shots All first. right. After you. Oh, I'm going first? Yep. All right. So it escaped the box. It had been a long time. I was going to wear it last week. Uh, but man, just talked me into wearing the long a uh, striking time instead, <laughs> which honestly I fell in love with it the longer and longer I wore it. But anyhow, this is the one one four zero six zero for those of you that are listening and not watching. Uh, Non-date ceramic submariner. Uh, mine's a twenty fourteen. Plenty of love on it. Uh, plenty of uh, stories, as we like to call total them. classic but, on my uh, personal short list. Totally love it. It's great. Every time I put it on, uh, you know. I wonder why I took it off, and then I see the Bulgari, or I see the, the uh, Explorer 2 that I have, and it's kind of like, maybe I should wear that. But, uh, yeah, this is one of those watches that when you put it on, you wear it for like a month before you realize yeah. that you didn't. Yeah, it's so easy to pick up and wear. I mean, it goes with everything. So, yeah, best buckle in the industry. I agree. On the sub. Solid piece. And uh, Armin is wearing the... Uh, I have a new, somewhat newly acquired, uh, let's see, vintage piece. This is a KO2907. Seamaster Chrono, um, you know, kind of known for, or rather the 321 movement that's uh, beating along underneath the dial here is kind of one of the, uh, one of the most famous ones from Omega and in, in the industry in general. This is kind of a weird, rare reference that uh, I saw it and I just couldn't let it go. And I have it on this really hip, young, not old man at all, uh, Spidel style bracelet. I, uh, I love it. Look at that guy. It's a cool piece. It's a very armored watch. It, it is a very, very me watch. You know, it's it's a little small. I think it measures in at 35 millimeters. But, I mean, it you know, it looks good on the wrist, honestly. On a strap, it might wear a little small. But on this, you know, like I said, hip and young bracelet. Totally bring in the totally. back. <laughs> uh, so, but the thing with that watch is, like, when Armin was thinking about buying it and walking around the office... Everybody's kind of like, yeah, it's cool. It's, he's like, it's got a 321 in it. It's like, all right, that makes it better. Yeah. I mean, but it's cool. It's got some patina on the dial. It definitely. Yeah, you there's know, a like, few marks on it. You know, it's a it's a capped case, so it's a steel. Uh, it's basically a steel watch, just with a capping on it with a gold tone. A little bit better than gold plating, but uh, you know, still not gold. <laughs> voting on the underdogs with your own dollars. It's probably the the. Exact opposite of this watch. That's definitely the opposite of an underdog. Yeah. And, you know, modern sports watch versus, jeez, uh, I guess you would call this a vintage sports watch. So, For those of you that are uh, wondering, we are drinking uh, a Scotch whiskey, Irish. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Japanese. Today. Japanese. This is my, one it's of delicious. my desk bottles. But very good. Uh, we haven't created a Taste of Vision yet, so take our <laughs> word for it. Not yet. But anyways, um, so... Wrist shots. The uh, general consensus of today's show is kind of let's bring out some watches. Let's talk about you know underdog pieces. Realistically, pieces that are going to be the same now as they will later. Bubble pops. It doesn't matter. They're not affected, right? So we pilled. We actually did this kind of um, kind of without last noticing. 
but we pulled three under, we realized after the fact, pulled three under 10 and three over 10. Yep. Totally by accident, just happened to work out. Four. Uh, Sorry, four. I lost count too. Oh, okay. <laughs> but there we go. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I think we were, we were talking before we started. There's a couple pieces on here in particular that it's not so much that they're underdogs, but they might be lesser looked at in comparison to the rest of the line. First and foremost, right. just starting off uh, with three pieces in particular, actually. Um, we have a, a Longa Saxomat, uh, a De Bethune DB25, and uh, an Apollo 8 Ceramic Speedmaster. So, I mean, we can just dive into it if you want let's to start go. with the Speedmaster. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. All right, so this is, um, this is kind of, I guess, the one of the latest Speedmaster limited editions, a 44 and a quarter millimeter ceramic case with a uh, kind of really cool skeletonized dial, if we can get a, an eye on the dial here. Um, you have this really nice moon-like texture. Uh, there we go. Yeah, we can kind of see a little bit of the texture there. Um, kind of open-worked into the chrono mechanism. You can have a look. And I just, I really love the yellow accents. I'm a sucker for yellow in general, and I'm really bad at showing nice watches. contrast. I think besides, for me personally, besides black and red, black and yellow is probably the next closest. I agree. That's the money shot on that yeah. watch. Is the uh, this is the uh, is the 1869? Is that yep, yeah, caliber 1869? Black and base plates. What's really cool is that they carried the moon texture, the lasered moon texture, onto the back plate and onto the bridges. Uh, you can see it's kind of hard to see there, but it's like a granulated finish, which is on the dial a little bit more noticeable. But um, you know, surface of the moon. And this is, this is kind of, to me, this is Omega's modern answer to the Moonwatch because, you know, they updated the movement a little bit with it, which is something that I've been hoping they would do for quite some time. Now, granted, I, I kind of wished I would see something like this in kind of a more original case as a, you know, an homage to the uh, Apollo 8. But I like the modern adaptation, honestly. Um, you know, their 44 and a quarter millimeter, Jace, stop me uh, if you disagree, wears closer to a 42, in my opinion. And I think it's because of the case design in general and this piece. Yeah, I like the, so I like all, you know, the side of the moon, the actual case, the 44.25, I think wears pretty well. Uh, ceramic in general in this size is kind of where you want to be. The... Apollo 8 designation, very cool, kind of a, a special piece. I agree with you. I would have liked to have seen, like, uh, meteorite sub-dials or something on that this piece. That would have been very cool, pretty sick. yeah. Um, I think for what that piece is, it, it didn't really sell. So in context of the conversation we're having, didn't really sell out at boutiques, right? Some Omegas do, some don't. Yeah. The piece is available. I think we have uh, – that one's pre-owned. I think we might still have one new I also think, yeah, in inventory. Yeah, I think we do, actually. Um, but super cool watch for the money. Um, my kind of pet peeve with this piece is the is this strap, which we won't zoom in because it's, it's a little bit crazy, but it's got these giant holes. You can holes. see it from here, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> these giant holes in the strap, which don't leave you a lot of room for micro-adjustment. You need to live with it, and they're about a quarter of an inch away from each other. So It really is true. If you need, you would need to order a short or a long strap if you, if you can't find the right fit or just get used to it, I guess. Or throw a uh, what I was thinking was the Alcantara from the gray side oh this, yeah like yep. the gray with because the dial kind of has that off gray color it'd be cool it would match really nice the thing the I think you could like kind of compare those holes to like an isoframe rubber um, sure and it's it is like a it's a chunky hole overall I'd like the the contrast stitching everything black and yellow is a good two good colors together insert popular song <laughs> uh, yeah very cool piece I actually like that watch quite a bit for you know, 
eight or nine grand market price. Yeah, I, I think it's a solid pickup. I think uh, would using probably that cheat sheet. Well, yeah, we have that listed just south of nine thousand. Yeah, so I would definitely uh, probably pick that up, change the strap, maybe go with the deployant Omega deployant once I change the strap. But cool watch. Definitely. And that's uh, in the under ten of the four yep. that we have. Uh, yep. Absolutely. So very cool value prop. In the context of the conversation, what we're talking about is this watch is what it costs now. When all things, you know, shit hits the fan or, you know, the bubble pops or whatever you want to call it, all it's going to be the same. Yeah. Like. And this is, this is even uh, separate from a lot of the sides of the moon from Omega because Omega did, you know, they started off with the dark side of the moon, which in my opinion is awesome. Still to this day, I love most of the sides of the moon, contrary to uh, popular opinion. Also the white side of the moon I love. Um, but, you know, they, they kind of, they did ceramic a little bit to death, in my opinion. But I, I think this... Um, I think this is going to withstand the test of time due to the limited nature of it, uh, first and foremost. And I think mostly the color scheme and movement are going to carry it, more so than the limited edition nature. Yeah, the movement is awesome. The dial, some, the fact that they went and did something different with the dial, uh, not only texture, but also skeletonizing it a little bit, a little bit out of the ordinary. And I would, I besides maybe the original dark side, yeah. that's probably my pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always liked the gray side better, but if you're only going to have one, there's only, you know, as, as Mr. Moss always says, there's only one first, the dark side, the original one, uh, not that triple black one. That one, nobody likes that one. Uh, I, but, I like it. I just wish I could read it ever yeah. well, in that's any what scenario, says, but ever. Anyhow. All right. That's watch one. You want to go low, high, low, high, or you want to go through the bottom? Uh, well, let's just talk about the, the three kind of outliers. So, like, you know, go just the, uh, let's start with the DB25. This is... Um, DB25, this is a smaller case size that Dave Bethune usually does. This is, a, I think, a 40 millimeter case. Now, there's a couple things. You can see it has a classic Dave Bethune case design, case structure, except due to the smaller case size, you don't get those flexing lugs um, that you see on the, the DB28s and uh, other pieces in general. But what you do get is kind of a clean, simple, very Dave Bethune dress watch. And you can see the, the um, geez, the Guilloche Center and all. Um, what's interesting, Jason actually is pointing out this out to me. The hour hand, you can see the opposite side of the hour hand has this uh, this kind of particular half moon shape to it. Now, if you turn it around to the business end, the movement side, you can see the rotor is partially skeletonized, but still mimics that same half moon shape. And just uh, it's a it's a little you know calling card to hey flip me over and see where the magic's at. It's, That's so this movement is gorgeous. I posted this before the live show on my Instagram, uh, trying to get that rotor to go a little bit crazy. So the watch is fully round, wound right now because I was playing with it. But I actually feel like if you uh, want to step away from a DB28 and you're okay going with maybe something that's off the beaten path a little bit, where, to be honest, the DB28 is already kind of off the beaten path. Yeah. But Out of the day, but the flexi, Yeah, the flexi lugs, the way it sits on the wrist is amazing. But this piece is the perfect size for a dressier piece without the flexible lugs. If it had the flex lugs on this size case, I feel like it'd wear too small. You're right. But I agree with that. this watch is absolutely awesome. I think, too, this really answers the call of a dress watch for Dave Bethune. You know, there's, there's people that call a lot of the... Uh, you know, DB28s and larger sports watches even right. for Dave Bethune. But this, you know, this has every characteristic of a dress watch. There's no date. There's no running seconds. There's no complication. And other than the uh, kind of, shall we call it, more contemporary case design, it 
it really, really is a, a dress watch to its core. It's stunning, too. I can tell you right now from the video and from me trying to photograph this that it doesn't do it justice. It, it really doesn't. It's similar to, like, uh, trying to get a good photo of, like, a nice long game movement, like a datagraph, and you just can't quite get it. Yeah. It's the same thing. This piece is special. It's it's by far the nicest watch on the table. Uh, a good uh, a good client, a personal friend of mine, actually has this watch, um, and you know he's a collector of Jorn, Patek, uh, GP, whatever, everything, a little bit of everything, mm -hmm. and uh, this is actually in his regular rotation, and um, was a little unexpected, actually, honestly, uh, just because it is a little more on the uh, modern 100% end. One hundred percent wear this. Absolutely. It's from this angle, the hands kind of have like a purple effect with the lights, which is kind of... Well, you know I love purple, too, yeah. so... <laughs> you want right. to uh, talk about the Longa? Yeah, sure. So, the Longa is one of these pieces that, you know, we've talked about uh, popular variations from their line. We've talked about pieces that, that don't... This one, for me, is kind of in the middle. It's a little small, uh, I would say, for most. I got fingerprints all over the Yeah. So, you got your grande date, double date, which is beautiful. Uh got the pusher for the date which we were talking about prior to that um for those of you who've never seen i mean this is not anything special uh in terms of an annual or anything so i don't mind advancing action. it past yeah. the i did set the watch because i was playing with it but so sub seconds really just a nice dressy piece but a little bit small for what most people would uh want this long a4 yeah i think this is a 37 millimeter um which is, in my opinion, you know, uh, a really good size for kind of something that's a little dressy like this piece. But I know that a lot of collectors lately are looking 39 for yeah. dress pieces, depending. I think 37's asking a little bit for most people because, you know, like you mentioned, 39's super within the wheelhouse for most people. Even I, I like to wear anything from a 44-millimeter Panerai all the way down to, like, a 39-millimeter, for instance, like an AP. Yeah. Um, which wears a little bit bigger. 37 probably a stretch i wouldn't wear this personally but that being said i wear bigger watches you would you know, wear this yeah size, i have about I a, like. a seven inch wrist give or take so i can wear down to i've worn a 33 millimeter dress paddock yeah and it didn't feel out of place i actually like it a lot smaller watches i i gravitate towards um and something like this would be yeah i mean a dream of a dress watch so the cool thing with this piece is it packs a lot of bang for the buck because, like we were talking about, it's not one of the most desirable uh, variations of the brand. But, um, you know, besides the fact that it's a, uh, I don't know if I'd call that micro rotor. But, it's kind of like a three-quarter <laughs> rotor, yeah. But relatively large, small, medium rotor. Um, it's a schmedium. Uh, <laughs> but it's a cool piece. And a lot of, you know, punch above its weights class. It's got some good chop to it. Um, it does. You know, we. I was just, just looking at our, our cheat sheet, and we have this listed under 20000 It's uh, 19950 So, you know, for a heavy-hitting dress watch like this, it's not a bad price at all. You get you get a grand date. You get a sub-seconds. You get uh, a white precious metal case with a really, really deep, um, you know, black lacquer dial. And with longest finishing and a three-quarter rotor, it's, it's really... It's above its weight class. It really is. It's a really nice piece. If it was 39 millimeters, it wouldn't even be here. Yeah, no, like it wouldn't. It would be it gone every time we not. got it. But uh, for, at 37 millimeters, I think there's tons of guys that can make the exception to wear it. You just got to be aware of, of what you're comfortable with. Yeah. Because that's a piece that if you buy it on a whim to say, let me try it, it might you be decide a to keep it for a few for months, you. and then yeah, you're, <laughs> you, you, you make up your mind. I do quick. think, though, I think uh, trends are 
on their way down. I don't oh, think they're going to sure. get to, you know, back to where they once were. But I think we'll see pieces like this being very sought after um, just because of the case size. I think the... I think in the future, kind of the 36 to 39 is going to be the really the dream size for everything that's not a sports watch. And I think even sports watches are going to kind of get to that 38 millimeter um, threshold a little bit more often than they do now. I'm hoping so anyway. Um, so I, I think pieces like this uh, and the, the DB25 are going to start to be eaten up by the market, truthfully. I think as we see technology, so similar to like the long A, the DB25. As we see technology, you know, driving what the micro manufacturers like the like the Abathun are doing, the lug, the actual lug placement, and all of that's going to come into play. So you might actually get some thirty-eight millimeter watches that wear like a forty, yeah, because of the architecture of the case. All of that is now being taken into account. Unlike watches from fifteen or twenty <laughs> years ago, where it was all lugs and the watch was too tiny to wear. It might take up the same surface area, but you get a bigger dial. You get yeah. a bigger wrist presence. So. You get a just a more modern watch uh, in general. I, I think. would say I'm very comfortable saying that a lot of men's watches are going to be 40 millimeters soon. Yeah, I think uh, I think 40 is a really good sweet spot. Um, and actually, to make a transition into uh, something that's a little bit uh, l less than looked at, we'll say. Um, uh, Zenith Type 20, we have it here. So this is part of a 250-piece limited edition. Um, it's a it's a uh, Type 20, and it, this one has a blue dial. This one's actually on a uh, strap that it doesn't normally ship with, but it is a Zenith strap. It's actually a really cool piece. You know, it wears... Granulated dial. Granulated, uh, you know, almost Fume-esque dial with really, really generously applied luminescence, I can say from experience. And yes, there is that faux patina that's uh, pretty 50-50. I, I think it hits on this watch. I think it hits well, especially with this strap. It's kind of in a Solamente uh, yeah. color. The strap makes it play. And, uh, you know, Zenith is actually the only brand that can have the word pilot on their dial, apparently, um, which is kind of cool. You know, this represents a lot of classic pilot's watches. You get these uh, wire-esque lugs that are obviously an you afterthought to, to the case. You weld yourself. them on. You have yeah. to weld them on yourself. Uh, you get the oversized onion crown and kind of this, uh, you know, uh, calf leather style strap. It's very pilot. It's very cool. It's, uh, you know, it's an affordable 5522 almost. <laughs> <laughs> or if that granulated dial and that new uh, Odysseus didn't quite do it for you. This one will do it for you. It's a cool piece. Uh, my personal feelings on the watch is it's a little small. Yeah. But, I, you know, going to where we were saying earlier, I just, I feel like that case specifically should be a little larger by nature because of the pilot aspect of it. I agree. That is the one... The one. I can... My only critique of that piece... Well, I guess the size is technically a critique. But my only critique is that... So you have the vintage loom. You have a vintage antique case. And the strap. Like, it almost feels like too... Like, they went too far with making it look old. You know, the case is something that I struggled with uh, until I saw it in person. And while... I, I still kind of go back and forth. I do. I have settled on that I like it, and I think it just reminds me of an old, like uh, tarnished sterling silver. Almost. It is. So yeah, I'm on the. I'm not on the fence anymore. I like the watch. It's just too small for me. Yeah. Personally, I feel like if it was a millimeter or two larger, you know, some of the 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 other Zenith Pilots, the Type Twenties, are too big. Yeah. This yeah. one for me feels a little small. I'm looking for that Goldilocks. You know. Yeah. You know, if they made that, if they made this case in 42 millimeters, I really do think it would be a a really popular watch for Zenith. And, you know, the brand itself, they're amazing. El Primero is awesome. Um, if you know the history with El Primero, you know, well, 
a lot about the brand of Zenith, uh, pretty much their claim to fame in general. But they do have a wide variety of other pieces outside of El Primero. So this is kind of one of those cool examples of that. So is that the whiskey, or are we professionally advocating for another Type 20? I think we're hoping for another Type 20. (laughs) Well, we're not quite there yet, so I'm going to go ahead and say that we're still looking for that sweet spot. This piece here is actually a, a very, very cool watch. Mind the uh, for, squeaky strap. For no money. I mean, it's basically free. It's basically free. If you were to talk to uh, Brian Gottberg, it would be no money. So for those of you that don't know the brand, it's the Vogard. Um, it's got a brand new You can really strap hear on that it. it's a brand new strap. Um, deployment buckle, right? There we go. And for those of the claim to fame for this guy is this mechanism right here which may look familiar to you because there's a very popular brand called IWC <laughs> that now owns this company and bought them exclusively for this patent. Uh, so here we go. So Quick adjust time bezel. Very cool time bezel both ways. Uh, this crown guard basically folds up, depresses this pusher right here, which is the locking mechanism for the uh, quick change. So when we do this, it's completely safe. And when we open it up, we're in full. So no crowns to unscrew. Yep. You get off the plane, you open this up, you switch it, uh, you're good to go. But you know, half exhibition in very much a, uh, I would say, Hamilton khaki-esque yep, style. But uh, very cool. So you get some exhibition case back. Not the greatest movement that ever existed, but automatic does the job. Automatic, GMT, quickly adjustable. The it's one Full Swiss made. The one I mean, qualm I have with this is the lack of an independent uh, fourth hand. So, like, the, the thing that the Explorer really gets to me uh, is, of course, the independent uh, adjustable time yeah. zone. So this, the 24-hour hand, correlates directly to the time that's set, despite the world timing bezel, which is... Which is cool. I want to get a real close-up on here, because this is something that this watch is not known for, nor does it get credit for, but it's got a really, really deep, and it's almost hard to tell, but if you look at the date window... See how the window yeah. rounds off? Oh. It's got a really deep lacquered dial. It's so good. You can tell that there's, you know, multiple layers. So a few layers don't do that. So the dark, yeah, it's really, it's really looking. nice. And, I mean, this thing's, so when we talk about, like, no money, this thing's sub three grand. Yeah, we have it listed at twenty four fifty. And it's, if you told me this watch is, I mean, it, it might never have been worn. Yeah, I mean. It's sick. So for, I think the IWC equivalent of this is, like, $9,000. It's up there for sure. And, it, you know, there's something about the bezel control that, for some reason, doesn't necessarily fit IWC to me. I don't know what it is, but for some reason, it does work on this piece for me. It's Maybe it's just I have this idea of IWC being something different from that launch, but I can see where it does fit into their lexicon. I mean, they... They took over that company for that complication. Right. So, like, if you are into the UTC, why wouldn't you go spend three grand or $2,500 on one of these? And you know what? You spend $2,500 on it, you wear it for three years, and it's worth two grand. Yeah. 2500 bucks again. So there Who will cares? be a buyer for this watch. I mean, it's 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 a cool piece in general. It's like a Speedmaster in that regard. You it buy is. it, you wear yeah. it, it's still worth the same money. That's, a good, uh, that's a good comparison, actually. I do think, um, actually, the, the next piece is... Money aside, looks alone is probably my personal favorite on the table. I absolutely adore this watch. This is a. Uh, <laughs> you were just you were just thinking, well, should I own this? I I mean I think about buying this watch every time I see it. Uh, this is a uh, Elise Nardin um, uh, Maxi Marine Diver. It's uh, with a yellow dial and a yellow bezel. It's awesome. It's 
unapologetically a sports watch, and you know, admittedly, we don't have this in my favorite configuration of it, which is on the yellow strap with the UN deployant. Um, I love UN's rubber straps, maybe mostly because they smell like vanilla when they're new, but uh, they're also extremely subtle and uh, su supple and comfortable. Um, and I'm a sucker for bright dials. I mean, I have uh, five Seiko, or not five, four Seiko orange monsters, three of which are in orange, two of which are in different colors. But uh, You got a Doxa with that yellow? I have a Doxa with a yellow dial. I mean, I'm a sucker for bright dials like this, especially when it's in a sports watch. And that was cool. UN, I, I think, is, is one of those brands that um, doesn't really get a ton of recognition, uh, other than the fact that, you know, people like the Maxi Marine is... It's a luxury diver. It's what it is. And I think, I mean, so when we talk about other brands, we say like this model and that model, right? Like Omega, Seamaster, Speedmaster. Speedmaster, yeah. For that, for UN, for me, it's always the the Marine Diver and the Freak. Those are oh, the two watches the freak, for me man. that yeah. are like what this brand, but I love the Diver. I, own, I kind of like really, really want to own one. Armin knows I've talked about. There's a special edition one. It has a camouflage dial. Yeah. There's actually two variations with the camouflage dial. There's one with a flat dial that's printed, and there's one with, like, an actual applied camouflage. That's the one I want. Um, I could have owned one a couple years ago and kicked myself all the time for not doing it. This thing is screams Armin. Yeah. That yellow is dial one. is totally you. The only, and I'm, I'm going to say, the only problem with that watch for me has always been how thick the bracelet is. It is a it's chunky a, bracelet. It's a bit chunky, Ugh. but that's, I mean, that's the style of the watch, too. It's supposed to be a little bit, like, ostentatious. It is, and, and um, you know, to compare the bracelet, it's it's thicker than that of, oh, geez, it's, it, it feels to me it's like... It's like twice as thick as a Submariner bracelet. It's, it's thicker than a Sub bracelet, for sure. It's it's a chunky bracelet, which is why I prefer it on the strap, and, I mean, it's more ostentatious on the, on the strap. It uh, is, yeah. You know, it's just, it's just cool. I mean, it's fun, it's... It's not dreadfully, uh, you know, breaking the bank, really. Um, uh, what's it, what do we have this list of that? Yeah, forty nine fifty. So I mean, it's it's a it's a really cool piece to get into a weird luxury diver up. You can but, also tell that this dive extension is from, you know, ten years ago. Oh it was yeah, designed because yeah. it's like who in their right mind needs a forty millimeter dive extension. <laughs> But Something like that, though, like, I see this as, like, a labor of love for a watch collector. Like, you have to love this piece to own it. And it's not something that you buy for anything other than the fact that it's fun and it's cool and it's quirky. That's, I, uh, yeah. I mean, I could go on for hours about stuff like this. I, I love. There is no attention, like, no loss of attention to detail for you. And they go, like, above and beyond and putting, you know. A lot of stuff on the watch, uh, you know, you got their anchors on both sides of the bracelet. You got, you know, the full list on the case back. They always do their little badge on the side yep. of the case. Like, there's a lot of... Which I've come around start, to. I used to hate yeah, the badge. Yeah, I mean, but when you start looking at it, you know, it's it's a full screws bracelet, which is nice. Um, you know, could have some micro adjustment in it, but honestly, like... Yeah, the bracelet's a little yet to be desired. To, the rubber is cool, but with those double badges in the rubber, yeah, you're right. It's yeah. A, a little extra on the bracelet yeah. on the rubber. Yeah. But still a cool piece. You should definitely get it. And then just get the bright orange yellow strap and wear it with that. I, I, I mean, I basically need it, honestly. I should just trade my collection. <laughs> Talking about another watch that you said that you need. Uh, which one? Okay. You just picked up. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. This is a really cool piece. I mean, Hublot, uh, I think I've brought my Hublot on the show before. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a I'm a Hublot apologist. You know I like a lot of what Hublot has to offer. Uh, the dial is where it's at. The one. dial on this piece is very cool. Do you want to go into that one a little bit? Yeah, sure. So this is the uh, Bertolucci piece. So it's full, obviously rose gold case, 
right? Very nice. Has a, the dial itself is leather as well, which is which is a stunning cool thing. Um, you it almost you can't even you see they embossed Swiss made at the bottom. They embossed automatic across the leather, uh, as well as the markers. The all the loom plots, well not loom plots, but all Black the hour off. markers are darkened, same as all the. So it really does have some depth even for being leather, but. When the sun hits it and the lights hit it, like you're seeing in the studio, the grain and the leather really comes to life. So for me, the dial is where it's at on this piece. Yeah. That small piece of leather makes it all worth it. Uh, I could take it or leave it on the rose gold case. The strap itself, also kind of an important part on this watch. I could take it or leave it. It's cool. Yeah. You got the right pair of shoes for it. You know, great. I mean, I almost would but, prefer this watch in steel, honestly, just because I, I'm not, I don't wear a lot of brown. I kind of wear, well, you see me every day, I wear a lot of black. So I would almost prefer this in a steel case because I think it would just be easier to wear in general. But, I, you know, you really can't argue. If you have the skin tone for rose gold, this is this is a cool watch. It's cool. There's There are, so, you know, you say you have to apologize for, for Hublot. Hublot is a brand that I respect because they don't give a shit. Yeah, you're they not do what wrong. they want to do. They make watches. They make a ton of watches. They sell a ton of watches. They are cool with being the party brand. They you know, are. They're cool with being the the guys on South Street, um, you know, in South Beach. They don't need to be AP. They, so you know, there are a lot of pieces they do. You know, some some questionable decisions like the Tutti Fruities <laughs> and all those pieces. And but there are home run pieces like this, like the U.S. Declaration piece. Yeah, that's um, a cool watch. The, there's watches that I like a lot. Honestly, the, the forty-two brand. millimeter Spirit of Big Bang, I like that a lot. Yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a the classic fusion is where it's at. It's a rich poor man's Richard Meal, um, but I I do like it, and the classic fusion is a great line for I sure. I just sold the uh, the West Coast piece, the one with the white ceramic. Bezel. Oh, that watch is awesome! Yeah. Fantastic watch. Yeah, that watch for is the money. very cool. Awesome. And you know, it's big, but it's purposefully big, and it kind of fits into this really particular category. That's it's uh, you know, it's a purposefully out there watch it's purpose it's it's meant for you to see it it's got the, so. you know, the artwork on the case bag yep. graffiti yep very edgy but it's kind of you know at the same time it doesn't take itself too seriously which is what Hublot does that, really well and it is that's actually a really good point you know like I think Hublot gets a lot of flack for being themselves but at the end of the day they are unapologetically themselves and I do love that about them um and actually, to transition a bit, the, this is a brand that's very, very under the radar, very much a, a, an underdog brand that I've come around to actually like a lot. Um, there's a few pieces that I could point out um, in Gerard Perigo's collection that are just fantastic. This is one of them. So this is a split-second Fondriant. Fondriant, I butchered that name. Oh, I'm going to get crucified. There's whiskey at, at play here. <laughs> this is a split-second Fondriant. <laughs> And what that means, so this is a yellow gold case, split second chronograph with the Fundrion. You can see, I'm just gonna go ahead and split it there. there go. This is an awesome watch. I mean, it, it it's an in-house movement. It shows a lot of prowess in watchmaking in general. And you can see one of my favorite things is the reset of the Fundrion, how it kind of takes steps in the right direction. It's very cool. Deep black dial. You know, you have the uh, Arabic numerals. Not my favorite strap. We were talking about this a bit. You know, it, it's a little bit yet to be desired, but you put it on something that's um, maybe a little weirder, and it's a, you know, this is kind of a cool, cool, sporty, racy watch. And, of course, we have a beautiful display case back to show that amazing movement. What do you think, Jace? 
so there is no movement inside <laughs> of it. It's it's all run. There's a little hamster on the inside. You do have the um, uh, the Scuderia Ferrari, the uh, you know um, Ferrari uh, emblem and everything. Yeah. So forgive the Ferrari emblem. Yeah. Well, the rest of the watch is pretty <laughs> awesome. Actually, it Ferrari is a, will put an amazing size. Uh, for what it is, a lot of times when you go look back on, on some of these really, really awesome uh, GPs, they're too big. Yeah. Uh, so for this piece, I think, you know, following the conversation earlier with some of the sizing down, I still think this plays. Yeah, I think so. Uh, fantastic movement. Very good value prop for what it is. A um, little expensive in total, but if you take it into consideration, you're getting a solid gold you know, yeah. with that movement. It's just north of 20, um, which with this movement in mind, it, it, it splits second Fondrian. You, you, look at, you look at what it offers and the value is there. That movement adds four grand to any watch. I, I completely agree, at least. I so mean, it doesn't matter what it is. And then, you know, rose gold case, you know, legendary GP. It's it's a cool piece. That watch, I'll be honest, at, at 20-ish, kind of not doing it for me. If that watch was 15, no brainer. All day. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, it's just the brand that you we hear it. that you do have to love it. But it's just the brand that we hear that skews us. You know, there's there's a Gerard Perigo in white ceramic, and I know I, I mentioned my love for the white side of the moon, but there's a GP in white ceramic that's a world timer chrono in 43 millimeters, and it, it represents so much bang for your buck. I think we had it uh, pre-owned for right around ten to fifteen thousand, depending, but. It's an in-house world timing chronograph in a white ceramic case with water resistancy. It's it's uh, it sounds like it sounds strange to come from a brand like GP, but it's it's awesome. I mean, we've talked about it before. GP is a brand that like really just puts stuff out ahead of its time, mm. and and was looked at oddly when it came out, and oddly now because it's the brand doesn't have, sadly doesn't have the but the Oracle BMW pieces like mm -hmm. they people hate those watches i think they're excellent value pickups um well the l'oreato composition is pretty cool like they're cool watches the l'oreato now is even like a really good value proposition what with the, that's you know, a pretty watch the royal oak being you know unattainable for some people i think l'oreato on the secondary market is going to be one of those pieces that is is wanted uh you know and honestly seeing it in the metal uh i was uh he's recently in geneva and i did get to see a few of them in the metal and it's awesome. It's really cool, and and they're wearable case sizes. They're, yeah, they get bit off on a lot for looking like AP or looking like the uh, riding the steel sports watch wave. But at the end of the day, they still are really cool pieces, and they're they have their own place in the market, which uh, at a certain level is unarguable, honestly. And honestly, they got in before everybody else got in, so there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Um, you know, the, that piece has been out for a few years, and they got in before everybody, you know, with the... I mean, we talked about the Chopard, yeah. right? The yep. uh, American Screaming Eagle Death Baton thing, whatever it's called. Um, Doesn't do it for me. I actually one. saw a photo of it live on somebody's wrist, and it didn't look as bad as the, the publicity I think, photos. I think so. that's the thing. You really do need to get that stuff in hand, because from photos, you know... Uh, well, not to harp too much on this, but the new Bell and Ross as well, the uh, BR05. Um, uh, we've talked about we talked about that last time we were together, actually. <laughs> you know that that's one that, uh, in my I love opinion, the brand. I hate that one. I love the brand too. I have one myself, but in my opinion, misses the mark in person. Whereas the Laureato nails the you know hits the nail on the head in person, feels great. You feel the value. You feel the money that you're spending on it.
whereas yeah. some pieces don't necessarily pull that There's off. There's some disconnects on that piece, but we've talked about it to death. But anyhow, um, so yeah, that's uh, what eight watches. Yeah, nine, ten, ten. Eight watches, watches in under house. ten thousand, over ten thousand, and you know it's something to keep an eye on. One thing that I I tell people a lot is complications. So like. We've talked about Roger Dubuis. We didn't really have any cool Roger Dubuis to show anything, but Roger Dubuis complications are going to be cool and collectible, mark my words. I think so. So uh, we're going to answer a couple questions going through the chat while we do that. Obviously, we're sipping on some whiskey. There was a uh, question here. Sam, always in the chat, so I acknowledge you there, cool. sir. By the way, Jason, scotch and whiskey cannot be Japanese by law. Scotch has to be distilled in Scotland. He's not wrong. You're not wrong. However, this particular whiskey, which is whiskey, not scotch, is fermented in used scotch barrels. Interesting. So uh, there's a complexity to it, which you don't get in a lot of Japanese whiskeys. So it is distilled in reused scotch barrels. Hmm. Which, so technically it's not scotch, but, but it does right have kind law. of a, kind of, ha- kind of has a scotchy note to the end of it. Um, I will say, though, if you guys do not, I don't know if you're into whiskey or whatnot, um, I have been for the last two or three years and really gotten into it. I know Armin uh, yeah, likes a good whiskey. I, am, um, I fancy myself a drinker. Japanese stuff is actually, you know, pretty damn good. It and really will, is. If you I can get say, into... I will say, if, you know, open a bottle of Habiki and try it <laughs> for, for a $60 bottle, it's, it's fantastic. If you can find a Habiki 12, I mean, which they have uh, kind of dried up on the market... It's really yeah. good whiskey. Uh, another different client and friend of mine bought me a bottle, and it's amazing. I went through it all too fast. Yeah, so, like, Hibiki's my way, like, my desk bottle way now, like, instead of getting a bottle of Jameson or something like yeah. that, for the same kind of money or relatively the same, Hibiki's pretty good stuff. And uh, it's, like, a 27 blend, like, faceted. It's yeah. It's really good. But uh, anyhow, so, yeah, um... I don't know. It's kind of. It's always been kind of interesting to me. You see, like whiskey, watches, you know, cars, stuff yeah, like that. There's like, there's always this blend of of uh, you know things that are um, call it a little old timey. It's weird how this watches. fits in so well. It does. I mean, even you know you go to a uh, any type of motoring events. I know Jason and I are both into cars and yep. motorcycles. Anything you might want to you know kind of think about. But <clears throat> the the two coincide you know heavily in. Pretty much every form of media in the watch world, uh, you know, the two coincide. And I think, you know, with cars in particular, I think it's because of the timing aspect and just what was done in the past in terms of uh, timekeeping with the brands and cars and racing. And so, so for me, like, yeah, there's that, you know, correlation. For me, it's not so much about timekeeping. Uh for me, the correlation is the mechanical aspect of it. I, I agree. So there's there's a direct... I've always been fascinated with, like, architecture, cross-sections. Cross-section drawings are, are freaking awesome. Yeah. But when it comes to watchmaking, like, the architecture of the movement, all the little pieces, all that stuff is really what, for me, what does it. Um, you know, the, the engineering feat of making something... You know, it's like making an engine burn so hot for so long. Now think about that thing... You know, gas pedal down for the the rest of its life, and it never stops. Well, that's a watch movement. That's a watch, yeah. So like, it's even crazier to think. Um, but you know, it doesn't it doesn't have to propel three thousand pounds down the road, but it does have to drive those two little hands twenty four seven. So for me, it's always been like the engineering feat behind the the movement. Um, but yeah, it's just there's a complexity. That's it's why I, I mean I, you know, knives, guns, whatever you yep. want to anything mechanical, kind of does it for me and. Uh, 
I don't know. I just always thought it was pretty cool how it relates, and I saw someone make a comment in here about how whiskey fits so well into watches. It, and it really does. You know, there's there's whiskey and watch events in, uh, gosh, every every major city in the United States and probably other countries as well. But it, it fits in well because it's something that it, it takes time to create and it takes expertise and it takes just careful measurement in general. I think the mechanical aspect even translates almost into, uh, you know, Fine, this fine is, liquor. This is good. So if we do a full Grand Seiko show, then we'll oh, bring, that we'll would bring the cool. Habiki in. Yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll I would love well. to do a full Grand Seiko show. I, I mean, you, you know how I feel about the brand. Dude, we could bring 30 watches. Yeah, there's... We have... Oh, yeah. For another time, but... <laughs> for for two guys that love Seiko and have a lot of Seikos and love Grand Seiko and don't have any Grand don't Seikos... Don't have any Grand Seikos. We should definitely change that. We should change that, actually. But... Well, that's it. Two of two. Armin and I are going to get matching Grand Seikos. Custom green custom, May dials. Custom uh, olive drab green for yeah. May. There you go. All right, guys. Hey, listen, if you have, well, we're not quite done here, so if you have a couple questions, why don't you fire them off in the chat and I'll read them off. Yeah, I don't have a laptop in front of me, but uh, I'll, I'll count on Jason to have a good one. It's been a lot of activity. There's always a lot of activity moving on the comments. I can the, never the keep thing, track of yeah, it. Yeah, so like I have a hard time uh, reading as they go up but you gotta you know keep your eye on it these guys also what i love about the chat is like the entire conversation has nothing to do with what we're talking about yeah 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 <laughs> these guys i mean if you guys don't have a private chat all of the guys in the chat box need to get on board with it need to create your own private chat because i feel like you guys would be best friends for in, life. in our office we have uh, we have like four or five group chats that are open constantly whether it's in slack or whatsapp but it's, uh, we have a good time talking about watches, yeah. we'll say. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, so I mentioned in the uh, episode with Mike last week about the uh, Nilonge, uh sport piece is that we all woke up to 30 messages in that group chat. Uh, all like, I don't care if you were ready to wake up or not, the phones were ding, 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 It was digging, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. That's what I'm curious about moving forward. Perfect segue here. Geezer, tag me in a question. Thank you, that makes it easier to find. Predictions on resale secondary market value for the Longe Odysseus. I think it's going to do well. I really do. I think um, as much as I don't care for it, it it, it, it just misses the mark for me for some reason. Um, I think it misses the mark for a lot of people. But I do think resale will be good for it. I think there will be kind of those core Longa fans, those people who strive for something different. And quite frankly, a lot of people that are sick of the steel sports bu uh, bubble in general. And I, I can't say that I blame them. I mean, you know, it's it's tough to be interested in <laughs> Rolex or Paddock sports models right so now. It's one of the, uh, I guess, takeaways from the last episode was uh, us bashing on the watch for mm -hmm. some reason. Like, I didn't see it that way. I am hesitant about what the watch stands I for. Gotta see. I it need to see it in person. We we always have to, right? Doesn't matter if I what I harbor for it now. If I yeah. if I like it in person, I like it in person. So I'm I'm more kind of reserved. I will say there is I am leaning a little bit more towards the I don't like it right now. I am but too. Let it change my mind. Same thing with the BRO five when that came out. Not that they're anywhere in the same value proper you know range or ballpark. Um but. or ballpark, but same thing. I was like, listen, I don't really like the watch, but I got to see one in person. So. Value aside, like secondary market, it's going to do pretty well. Yeah. I would say the first six months to 12 months, it's probably going to sell, you know, 20% at least over yeah. retail. Yeah. So it'll do pretty well. What will happen is uh, it's going to depend on how many they make, how many they ship. And 
what people's first impressions and getting into the wrist. And, you know, I think so far the first impressions haven't been great, yeah. but I'm I'm waiting for more to kind of hit the hit the market in general before I make my own uh, observation. What I do like about it is the fact that they're, and not only them, but a lot of brands are taking uh, an easy link adjust very seriously, which is cool. You know, uh, adjusting links kind of sucks with watches. It's difficult to do. You need a set of tools. If you Let have... Let and then you need a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> if you've never done it before, I mean, me and Jason basically size every watch that goes out of our trading floor. Um, if it's not him, it's me and vice versa. And if you don't have a tool or the know-how, it's a pain to size a watch, you know? And even if you do have a tool in the know-how, certain watches are just brutal to size. Shout um, out to the Breitling Navitimer. <laughs> and, and any Breitling on a bracelet uh, can be can have the potential of being difficult. But if you like watches and you want to invest in a small tool set, sizing your own watches can be very rewarding. And you just have to do it a couple times to get comfortable with like it. Like if you can change brakes on your car, you can do anything like relatively me mechanical, then sizing watches is not a problem. Yeah, but you want to use a different um, you know, different type of force if you're working on different brakes set of, or watches, yeah, different yeah. set of skills, motor and skills. Tools. And tools. You should tools. not be using 10 millimeter Shouldn't. wrenches on. But uh, no, I like setting I like uh, setting watches one, but sizing watches to me is kind of like a a little puzzle. Which is fun. Yeah. Um, the um, the worst one ever is the Cartier. I oh, I'm going to butcher the name. I forget the name of the Cartier. But there's a particular Cartier that I think ends with Donna. Uh, gosh. Man, egg on my face right there. But it, it's a really particular Cartier with a really particular bracelet. And it is... The biggest nightmare to size that I think I've ever dealt with, ever. You just, you take one side out and the, the bracelet falls to pieces. It's horrible. I'm looking it up. <laughs> the LaDonna? Uh, it is the LaDonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so yep. La is the, so you were close. <laughs> close enough. Uh, but Yeah, it's like a giant chain link uh, yeah. piece of something. Um, anyways, so let's see here. We're scrolling through. Swiss Army Victorinox Swiss Army Field Force brand new model every watch every watch person needs one okay I can't say that I honestly I like Swiss Army I like Swiss Army too uh, so long as it's the original Victorinox and not like Swiss Wanger but um but that's because I'm a knife guy so you know yeah, yeah yeah um best EDC knife under $200 uh, something made by Kershaw I'm sure yeah, uh, I would say look at ZT, which is the yeah the derivative yep, of Kershaw. Subsidiary. So. Uh, Benchmade's pretty good. Spider Code obviously does some really good stuff, but um, that's another thing that we have in common knives. Yeah, that's true. Too. Yep, and I think that actually translate in the watch uh, translates pretty well to the watch community. Yeah, again, design. Um, let's see here. A lot of people are helping you out with the Ladanya. No, oh, thank you. I appreciate um, that. At least somebody knows my pain. But I'll tell you what, the you know, you can't you can't argue with Rolex's sizing uh what they use for sizing. It's just screws into cases and they're durable screws. They don't strip. I know um Omega and Grand Seiko uh, uses end screws with a a post that kind of goes through directly into all three of the links. That's a good system too. It's just kind of a pain to size just because there are two screws that are uh, super small 
So I don't mind sizing Omega or Grand Seikos, but a Rolex is uh, unfortunately the one that is the easiest and kind of uh, just the most conducive to both being durable, uh, long-lasting, and easy. A couple of people asking for some wrist checks, which we did in the beginning of the video, but I am wearing a non-date sub, ceramic generation. Omega Seamaster Chrono, uh, KO, KO 2907, 321. Anyways, uh, knife check, I'm on. All right, that's cool. I was playing with this before the show. So. Yeah. Uh, this piece is uh, Clyde Chandler. Um, it's a front flipper kind of a cool mechanism so instead of a flipper here the front of the bez the front of the blade is knurled so you can do that and roll it around sheep flip blade obviously you can tell i carry it but uh just kind of a plain titanium and the knife armin is carrying is a big influence for this custom knife maker in its production version but that is one of the newer slip joint versions of the uh chris really, reeve really and popular and chris reeve yeah the impinda which is a uh, slip joint no yep. lock no lock, just kind of a classic. I, uh, I have a, I have another Chris Reeve. What is, geez, what is that? Uh, Sabenza Twenty One, oh, large Sabenza, Sabenza yeah. Twenty One, um, which I actually bought from Jason. Love Chris Reeve, great, uh, great manufacturer in general. So Clyde is actually South African. So is Chris, and I mean the uh, amount of, first of all, any South Africa, pretty much any knife maker, but any South African knife maker will tell you that Chris Reeves is like. A walking legend yeah right so like a lot of the south african knife makers have that style aesthetic plain tie very you know very user uh utility utilitarian it's cool it's like something that you look at and it looks and feels like it's cool yeah all right well this has uh been pretty awesome but we're going we're going over we're going 50 minutes strong so i think even though the chat's going with it Maybe we should do some more knife stuff because the chat's, chat's <laughs> down with it right now. Well, there was now. that one guy that didn't like it, right? Yeah, but that guy's gone because we have knives and he doesn't. So, <laughs> Anyhow, uh, I think uh, this yeah. was good. Maybe it might be done. Um, I guess we call it a show. We are 90, first of all, uh, contact info, Armin's Instagram. We pull that up. It's me, Armin. Uh, it's me, Armin, which is the greatest Instagram name <laughs> that, that ever existed. Uh, mine, a little less great, Evo underscore watches. Uh, you can follow both of us. You can bother us. You can ask us watch questions. Yeah, I usually um, do respond sometimes, Knife actually. questions, uh, car questions, whiskey questions. Yeah. Anyways, we are 93,000 subscribers strong. We got to make it for to 100, 100 man. Got to get to 100. If you are the 100,000th subscriber, we will send you... I'll buy you a drink you, if you come to Philly. We will send you this empty bottle, which no longer <laughs> has any whiskey in it. But uh, anyways, all right, guys. Special Monday night show. I appreciate you guys Thanks logging in, in, watching the whole show, taking uh, taking your time to participate in the conversation, and uh, hit us up. Thanks.